Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Uh, we are continuing on our series uh, about the Beatitudes, Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, they appear in Matthew chapter 5. This is the fourth Beatitude we're going to consider today, and it is the sixth verse. And uh, just a test for the staff. Uh, blessed are those who, what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. <laughs> or? <laughs> they, will, they will be filled. They will be filled. They will be filled. All right, see, we just... Ding, 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 ding. We are continually in the Word here, and uh, they're just right on top of that. So um, just to go back and review for one quick uh, couple of uh, seconds, all of these start with uh, blessed are those, or blessed is he uh, that, you know, in this case, hunger and thirst after righteousness and we've already determined in the earlier parts of these shows that uh, when uh, when translated when translated through the Greek from the Arabic, uh, the word "blessed" means happy and, uh, and joyous. Joyous. So um, it's uh, talking about being happy, joyous, filled, content, connected. Uh, it's the ultimate uh, height of a spiritual condition. So blessed are those who. You know, experience the kind of things that Jesus is talking about here. So, um, with that in mind, uh, we do move on to uh, this one, which is hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, the commentator, Dr. William Barclay, that I have been using for this study, uh, is really uh, big on the cultural context, not just the linguistic context of the Aramaic and the Greek, but uh, he's also. Uh, wanting all of us to be quite aware that uh, when Jesus is talking to a crowd here at this point, they are probably people who in those days, uh, in fact, had very little to eat. And so it was a daily anxiety for the, the vast majority of people that he was talking to about whether or not they would even have enough food. Uh, he made one comment that, the uh, average back in those days uh, was that the average person was probably going to have meat to eat no more than one day per week. And so the rest of the time they were eating breads, obviously grains, you know, other kind of things. But there was, there was massive poverty, massive want. And uh, so he's talking to a crowd who really knows about hunger and thirst is what uh, uh, he's trying to, to tell us, and he's going to make a point about that here in a minute. Well, and it strikes me that to have a hunger for righteousness mm -hmm. seems to be one of those uh, principles that is kind of at the heart of every Christian, is to have a hunger for righteousness. Yeah, now here's the point that he's, he's, he's going to make about this cultural context, and that is that... Uh, Given the fact that these people were so incredibly hungry most of the time, uh, if they were hungering, it was a, a total hunger. Uh, 
It was uh, a ravenous hunger. It was a complete hunger. Um, he compares it to uh, our day. Sometimes we say throughout the course of a day, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, that isn't necessarily because we haven't eaten in the last few hours. That's simply because maybe it's been four hours since breakfast or whatever else it is. But normally, you know, we don't know what it's like to go for days without food. Well, it's just like when a young kid says, I'm st- what time is dinner? I'm starving. Right. And, and you, there's yeah. this tendency to want to stop them in their tracks and say, honestly, do you know what's starving? You know, you've really never experienced starving. Yeah. Well, you know, it is a figure of speech, and that's kind of what Dr. Barkley, Barkley likes talking about, figures of speech and cultural context of things. But he definitely wants us to know that in this situation, uh, we're talking about people who are not just, you know, hungry for ice cream. They're, 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 they're hungry for food. They're hungry for the most basic of food. And some of the people in the crowd may not have eaten in uh, several days, he says. So, uh, the, the, again, the point is that uh, uh, I think Matthew wants us to know here that Jesus is talking to a crowd and they are totally in this game. I mean, if they are hungering and thirsting, they are really hungering and thirsting, you know. And that's the point he wants to make about righteousness. Um, Jesus is telling us that we need to take that same level of desperation, of complete and utter hunger and thirst, and, and apply it to our pursuit of righteousness. We're, we're not half in. Uh, we're all in. We're completely in. Uh, he does, I will uh, admit, step on some toes here. He says that the average modern-day Christian uh, could be compared to the level of modern-day hunger. Uh, there are times when they're hungry, but most of the time when they are you know, really all that, not that hungry and thirsty, they're, they're complacent. You know, they, they don't have that, that ravenous sense of pursuit of uh, righteousness. So... He's kind of talking to the lazy Christian in the, in the modern world, and he's really saying that Jesus' words for us today are, you really need to approach this as if you are absolutely starved. Well, and as you referenced in the earlier shows, Mark, I was struck by all of these Beatitudes um, in principle are encouraging us to seek a closer relationship or a closer understanding of our need for God. That's right. That is exactly right. And uh, uh, we're going to get to that in terms of the being filled part here in uh, just a minute. So um, maybe this is not a bad time to take our break, actually, because uh, I want to uh, bring in a story that we use at the workshops and also try to relate this to um, the population that we work with here at Faithful and True. Well, that will let us uh, do that story and be uninterrupted with the rest of the show. So uh, let's give that a shot. Where you are listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. 
are Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, uh, given to us by our Tuesday night group, particularly one of our members who was processing an issue last night and uh, about this, and his Trigger of the Week is uh, Father's Day, actually. Uh, this gentleman who suggested it is uh, both a father and obviously a son, and his father is still alive, and um, when he was... Growing up at a very early age, his mother and father were divorced, and uh, his father was not very present in his life. Uh, uh, took off, and uh, uh, when he was around or when he was with him was, I guess, a very critical person. So uh, some of our men you know, grew up with fathers like that, and when they approach holidays like this, they really have a hard time uh, knowing what to do, say, whether to send a card. Uh, they just don't have a lot of positive feelings, at least at this point in their recovery. Um, so he said, you know, the emotional part of this trigger uh, does tempt one to think about uh, acting out in some of the old ways, which is one of the ways he probably coped with his parents' divorce when they were originally divorced. He uh, started looking at porn and masturbating back in those days. So um, the whole idea about the absence of his father in his life brings back that association that he made about masturbation and pornography when he was going through that divorce for the first time. And, you know, most of the men in the group could relate to the fact that, you know, the subject of their fathers uh, is sometimes a very emotional uh, uh, conversation. So uh, I encourage them. uh, We're trying to be the men that God calls us to be, and uh, our fathers are probably wounded individuals themselves, they're still alive. And uh, my encouragement is, even though you may not completely feel like it, uh, at least send some kind of a generic card or generic phone call. You know, do the kind thing. Uh, Let us do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And um, particularly those of us that are fathers, uh, I suspect we have made a few mistakes. So, you know, I hope uh, we don't get to a point in our lives where our sons are not Uh, willing to send us a Father's Day card. So we're going to do unto others as we would like to have done unto us. I think someone said that. It's another test for you. (laughs) Who said that? Yeah. Well, that was a good trigger and very timely with uh, Father's Mm -hmm. Day being this Sunday. And uh, you and I both being fathers uh, with sons. Uh, So um, I I appreciate their input for that. Uh, Let's take our listeners back to today's show, which is Beatitude number four. Yeah, blessed are those, happy are those, joyous are those who uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, the the uh, story in the Bible that we use a lot at the workshop, uh, it's actually our second spiritual question. 
uh, and it comes from, as many, many of our listeners would already know, because they're alumni of our uh, three-day uh, men's workshop or the women's workshop or the couple's workshop where we talk about this spiritual question. Um, and it's a, it's a, a, a great story of Jesus traveling uh, from Jerusalem up to Galilee, and he has to go through Samaria, and uh, he gets about halfway on the journey, and he comes to a well, which is about a mile south of the city of Sychar. It's the well that Jacob the patriarch bequeathed to his son Joseph. Joseph uh, was actually exhumed from a tomb in Egypt and uh, moved to be buried near this well. Uh, the well is uh, an impractical well. It's a mile south of the city, and people in the city, uh, they're not going to walk a mile with a bucket of water. You know, that gallon bucket or so is rather heavy. So the point of all of that proximity is that the respectable women of the village of Sikar would go to the wells in the city. That's where they would gather. It was kind of like uh, uh, Starbucks there, or you know, it was coffee hour early in the morning or you know, early in the evening, where they'd gather water for the day or water for the evening. Um, uh, the reason that's important is that uh, at this particular well, you would not expect uh, uh, anybody in their right mind to be there. Uh, you know, it's just too uh, uh, impractical. Uh, it's also, according to, you know, the writing here of John, the sixth hour of the day, which is basically noon, so it's hot. Nobody goes to a well in the middle of the day. So by all of this, we would expect that there's not going to be anybody at the well when Jesus sits down there to rest before continuing the journey, sends his disciples into the village. So he's there by himself. Uh, but strangely enough, there does come a woman from the village to draw water. Now, why does she have to go a mile south to do this? Well, it's because she is uh, uh, herself an outcast. She's been uh, divorced five times, is currently living with another man, this gets really bad in Jewish culture to be divorced once, much less five times. Uh, we also remember here that this territory that Jesus is going through is Samaria. Uh, uh, Jews hate Samaritans. Uh, as far as they're concerned, Samaritans are like lepers. They're unclean. So you are not to associate with or talk to a leper uh, like this, uh, a Samaritan. And uh, in Jesus' day, you were not allowed to talk to a woman in public. Uh, so, for three reasons, you know, this woman has uh, no expectation whatsoever that this Jewish guy sitting down here at the well is even going to talk to her. But, of course, that never works for Jesus. He's going to, you know, engage in conversation. And uh, they do start talking about a number of things. And at some point, this outcast, this adulterous woman, uh, this Samaritan, uh, who is scorned in her own village, is now talking uh, to the Messiah. So... Uh, that's a great picture. And at some point she says to him, Sir, I notice you don't have a bucket. You have nothing to draw water with. Uh, and it's at that point that Jesus says to her, Truly I tell you that anyone who drinks from the water of this well will always be thirsty. Uh, anyone who drinks of the living water that I offer will never thirst again. Now, we use this story with our population of men because, uh, you know, we believe that all of them in their sexual pursuits have been drinking out of the wrong well. They've been, you know, hoping that their sexual uh, uh, encounters, their pornography, whatever it is, you know, would be somehow satisfying 
the deep longings of their heart and soul. And uh, we've had guys here that have had hundreds of partners. We've I've worked with movie actors who've had thousands of partners. Uh, I always tell the story of one particular one of those who did claim to have 3,000 partners and spent $3 million on prostitution. And at the end of our conversation, he said it was never enough. I always wanted more, which is a restatement of what Jesus is saying. You know, you can have sex with 3,000 women, and you're always going to be thirsty. I mean, that is not the solution to the longing of our soul for connection and kindness and love and nurture and female presence and companionship, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, what Jesus does say is that uh, it's only really, and here we come back to our theme of the Beatitudes, it's only really those who thirst after uh, living water. They, they are the ones who will be satisfied. We're getting to the back half of our Beatitude. Jesus now is, uh, in this story, clarifying uh, when you're hungering and thirsting, uh, what should you be hungering and thirsting after? Uh, well, it's you know not just common things. It's, it's, it's a relationship, a dead-centered relationship with Christ. The image of living water, by the way, is uh, very well known to the Jewish mind. It is the image of uh, uh, cleansing, uh, new life, and you know, for us Christians, it's really what Jesus is talking about here is uh, the living water of baptism. Uh, so, uh, I think you have to almost put these two stories together, you know, and not the two stories, but the beatitude in the in the example of this story of Jesus, and that he's clarifying. Okay, I want you to hunger and thirst like you are absolutely starved. And I want you to be all in it. I don't want there to be any hesitation. I don't want there to be any doubt. You have to be ravenously hungry here. And when you are, then you've got to direct your hunger and thirst after the right fulfilling thing. And we know it's not things of this world. Uh, It's not actually food. It's not actually regular water. It's, uh, It's... the, the living water that is represented in our relationship with Christ. Well, everything about the conversation that Jesus had with the woman that day was miraculous in the fact that she had all of this doubt, she had all of this confusion of why he was even right. there, and yet he turns around and tells her, tells her her life story. Yeah, he does. He knows the fact that she's, that been, she's married. been married five yeah. times, and in fact yeah. you're living with another, a yeah. sixth man, and... Right. and uh, opens her eyes, and she says, you know, clearly you're a prophet. Are you the Messiah? And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the first time that Jesus outwardly admits to being the Messiah? Yeah, the, he's, she, he's, this is the first time he reveals it to anyone. And uh, in the context of the story, he's revealing it to a woman who is, you know, the, the worst possible outcast. When he says the thing about living water, then the woman responds, he said, she says, sir, give me this water that I may drink. And that's the attitude I think he's talking about in the B attitude, which is, you know, hunger and thirst after the right thing here. Um, so um, we talk all the time around here about the fact that, you know, the men who come here are in a lot of shame. They're in a lot of guilt and uh, self-doubt, and uh, they are really uh, hungry and thirsty for forgiveness. So Mark, talk to the people who are listening right now who who know that they should hunger for hunger and thirst for righteousness but they don't know how. They don't feel it. Mm. How what what can they do? It's a it's a great question because it makes it practical. And uh, 
I think we are really getting to the part of the Beatitude which talks about, um, and, you know, they shall be filled. So how does uh, uh, Jesus intend for that to be filled? Well, you know, let's let's be honest. I do think there is a very deep spiritual sense that when we are, in fact, seeking Christ through uh, our prayer, meditation, Bible study. I'm currently doing a meditation uh, uh, for myself in which I am uh, given the, the back issues I have. Uh, I am just imagining sitting uh, somewhere like by a well. Uh, I'm using some, you know, kind of visual imagery and kind of just sitting on a stone bench and uh, Jesus is uh, sitting next to me and he is uh, putting his arm around me and uh, I just imagine him rubbing my back. And uh, that is, I'm hungering and thirsting <laughs> for the uh, healing touch uh, that uh, my, my meditation exercise represents. So we can go directly to you know, prayer and our connection in that way, I believe, with Jesus. Uh, and then I think uh, we talk about this at the workshop that you know when we come into a fellowship of men from all over the country and they're all really hungry and thirsty for solutions and grace and and they find I think the living water uh, in the fellowship that they experience with each other actually also that uh, they tell their stories you know uh, we have a workshop starting tomorrow morning and and uh, sometime uh, early afternoon tomorrow, these men are going to be in their small group for the first time, and they're going to uh, tell a little bit about their own story. And uh, rather than being uh, uh, criticized or uh, shunned or, you know, people having, you know, adverse negative reactions, you know, all the men in the, in the room are going to embrace them, applaud them, hug them. Um, and I think, you know, the fellowship of the workshop men, Christian men here from all over the country, is really a living, breathing example of uh, living water and uh, getting filled. I, I know the men come away from the workshop and they feel filled, uh, sometime for the first time, with grace and acceptance and understanding. Uh, and I think that's really what Jesus is referring to in the Beatitude. And maybe for the first time, forgiveness. Forgiveness, right. So... I think there are practical things to do. Uh, it, it does really involve fellowship with Christ and fellowship with, with others. The uh, One last interesting thing about the linguistics of these passages is that the Greek word um, that is used uh, for filled, you know, they shall be filled, uh, has to do with the feeding of sheep. So uh, <laughs> does that sound familiar? Uh, in terms of Jesus is the shepherd, what, the shepherd, and uh, uh, what about the twenty-third Psalm? Uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, which is David, the shepherd, writing about what what God does to us. So uh, we're going to be filled like the shepherd takes care of his sheep. Uh, that's really the last illusion in this uh, beatitude, um, and I that's a that's a great one. I hunger and thirst after. Righteousness, I hunger and thirst after a relationship with Christ. And uh, Christ is going to be my shepherd. He's going to uh, 
provide food for me and rest for me and uh, comfort for my soul. And uh, those are all ways of being filled. And once again, you've taken a beatitude that many have taken for, uh, for granted or for its uh, face value. Uh, and uh, these beatitudes uh, are so much more. Yeah, they are. You really have to, uh, like so many verses of Scripture, I mean, I think you have to dive in and, uh, and, and look at the meanings of the words. And uh, So we're grateful for this series and uh, a word of encouragement to all the men out there. Uh, I know you're hungry and thirsty, many of you who are listening, for this ongoing um, righteousness. And uh, sometimes we would say, obviously, in our field, that represents purity and fidelity and uh, If you trust God, you will be filled. He will come alongside and help you with it. And with that, we thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank Aaron Wellman, our engineer and technical director, for his uh, talents and direction today. We hope that uh, today's message has been one that uh, has struck a personal chord with you and that this following week will be a week that will be filled with many blessings and with great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.